Hello everyone, welcome to season two, episode five with B. Wynn from HomeAd, CEO and co-founder. We're coming to you live from my studio house with Lola. <laughs> Well, hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Tea with Abby. This is episode number five. And as you can see, we're in a little bit of a different setting. I'm here in the jungle of my little meditation corner in my room. Um, and this morning I am speaking with founder uh, V. Wynn of HomeAds. And V, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing good. Just starting out. Um, so where are you uh, podcasting from this morning? <laughs> I'm actually, so the room or the bedroom is also where I work. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, I would not be doing that unless we're, you know, um, in shelter in place right now. But <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, typically we're using the podcast room at Capital Factory with the mics and the recording equipment and it's a soundproof room and it's all fancy. Um, but yeah, we are, I think, going on week three um, of Austin kind of having all things change. Um, the elephant in the room, obviously, COVID-19 has um, upturned pretty much everyone's lives globally. And um, I'm not sure about you, but everything that we were creating to be business as usual has completely changed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's been a lot of good because we've we've seen a spike in business for ours, which is, is very different from a lot of people. So it's a strange thing to be excited about as well. Um, but then there's also parts where it's like, I can't fundraise very well effectively because I can't fly to San Francisco anymore. I was there for three weeks prior to all this happening um, and came back for South by, which then got canceled. I was gonna fly back to San Francisco and things got moved remote and it's just been kind of chaotic since then. That's insane. Before um, I get into asking you a bit of questions about how that's going and why business might be picking up right now um, and getting into fundraising, I cannot wait to talk to you about that because we're in the same boat. Um, can you give us a little summary about Home Ads and um, why you co-founded this company? Yeah, of course. So essentially what Home Ads does is we help people relocate using data-driven decision-making. So unlike traditional relocation um, companies, we actually make decisions based off of our user-generated content. Um, so when we first started, I started actually in 2016 and it was all monthly rentals, so 30 days or longer. It was actually more of just a need I had as a homeowner that wanted to rent out. Um, my background is in sociology and public health. So I would say that two years in, we took a massive pivot and I was actually kind of miserable of only working on rentals because it, it just, you know, it's not that exciting and there's a need, but it, eh, you know, so then it transitioned more into figuring out where the best place to live. Um, and the fun part is it's not just like, oh, here's a fun personality test, but it's more of what are the demographics, but also social demographics, like hobbies, spin data, things that matter to you of where you want to live. Because if you start reverse engineering that, you can also start thinking about community health. 
right? Like, hey, here's the neighborhood in East Austin. And based off of what we're predicting of where people should live, we can also predict these social determinants that are necessary to make this community happier and healthier, right? So that then now goes back to why I really care about home ads and about, you know, public health. So it's been really fun for us. Yeah, I really enjoyed watching your little intro, um, our story video. Um, I think it's at the footer of your, um, your email. And um, I could relate to that feeling of moving to a new city. Um, I had never visited Austin. I'd never been to Texas. I just got on a one-way flight with a bag and like hoped for the best. Yeah. It's really hard to predict what your life would be like looking at a map. So I was moving from New York City. And so I had planned what I thought would be my entire next chapter based mm -hmm. off of looking at Google Maps. And I was like, oh, oh, wow, I can, this is all walkable. And then I got here and it was like, oh, wait, that's a highway. Like, <laughs> there's no walking here happening for me at all. Yeah. And well, and the frustrating part is it's the decision making. I am a, I, I don't want buyer's remorse, but mm -hmm. I also don't like going through all of the data, which there, today there's so much data, right? Mm -hmm. So you can read reviews, you can look at all the stats and everything. And so I go through it and I, and so I, I actually got to be in the user's perspective by going to San Francisco because I was there for three, three weeks. Right. And so it, the biggest pitfall that every user does is, so we found that 85% of people were unhappy with where they originally relocated because they concentrate on price and proximity. So if I close to work and can I afford it? Oh, you know what, I'll just say, even though it, I should probably go, for me, I probably would have liked Mission District, right? I like there, I'm kind of learning that I like South Beach, kind of like Pacific Heights area occasionally, but that's kind of far too. But you know, vibe wise, mm -hmm. but I said, well, it's cheap here and it's really, really close to downtown. So I ended up in a hostel in Tenderloin, which, yes, that's the face that most people make. I had absolutely no idea. I was like, oh, it's fine. And then I realized, no, I should not have done that. Oh, my gosh. So where's um, your company at today? Kind of what stage are you guys in? And um, what current challenges are you going through? So when we started in 2016, it was very interesting is because we were the only ones doing monthly rentals and way ahead of our time. Airbnb was just kind of, you know, becoming a well-known name at the time. So then no one thought like, oh, Airbnb, but this, right? Um, I was just entwined in it. And that's kind of why the idea started was I was a big Airbnb host. I was doing it often, wanted to run it as a business and said, hey, this doesn't really make sense for my lifestyle. Can I rent it out differently? Um, it wasn't until two years later that we started realizing, oh, most people are using you to relocate. So you're getting a whole bunch of professionals, um, you know, traveling scholars, nurses, that sort of stuff. So it was, it was nice on the uh, tenant side, but it was also nice on not having a reset. It's not, you know, hospitality, any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so that transition just, it became just a feature of what we do. And then it, we then pivoted more on that data product. And so we're, you know, going business as usual, um, you know, 20, 20, in the 2019, we get our first, so essentially bookings were a small part of what we, we make. Our sales mix is mostly rental fees and then realtor referral commissions, and eventually the sell of direct 
data, right? Mm -hmm. And so we got our first commission within the beginning of this year. And so we're like, oh, this is great. And then it, we then said oh, the biggest problem that we had before was supply, right? Understanding how do we get a whole bunch of homeowners? So we said, instead of trying to build our own supply, which we're, we were good at doing single family homes in the Southern states, we then said, hey, let's, let's do it across the board because we want people who are relocating to not come off of our site because we don't have enough supply. So let's be Kayak instead of United, right? And so we brought in all the supply and partnered with like sublet.com. We met with co-living.com, all these people, and we're bringing them in. And then COVID happened. And I'm not sure if you keep up with all the things with Airbnb, but it was a, a huge mess, right? Um, and that was to a point to where the trust with homeowners, they felt like that was betrayed. And so they were going to either booking directly or sites like ours. So mm. um, Yahoo interviewed us, CNBC interviewed us. It was, we literally had a spike overnight um, and went from, you know, 65, 75 daily site visitors to 500. Um, wow. 100 homeowners converted within 24 hours. It was, it was ridiculous, right? And so what we say is it's a really good stress test. So we, we definitely saw the bugs we had, obviously, as a startup. We're really yeah, happy. I was about to ask. I was like, what, exactly. what came to surface? During this yeah, time? yeah. We, we figured out all of our tests or, or all of our bugs and everything. And we, because we're a small startup, we can act quickly. So we were very hands-on, um, amazing at customer service because that's the best we can provide, right? Is giving them our attention and fixing it as quickly as possible. So feel pretty good about that side. Um, but of course, with a marketplace, you have to figure out both sides. And so because we know the market so well when it comes to monthly rentals is, well, if you're doing short-term rentals, right now is not the time to be renting out multiple <laughs> often throughout a month, right? No one wants that type of infection. So we, we started pivoting more towards to at least capture the market now to do quarantine homes. So when you oh. think about it, you're traveling somewhere, you come back. We had someone that's going from Indonesia to Toronto. And he was like, we need a quarantine before we get back to the rest of our family, right? And make sure that there's not, that we don't get sick. Can we rent something? Oh, wow. So we then went towards that, or if you're a medical worker, right, and you live with your grandma, do you really want to come home every time and think, hey, I may infect you, you know? So that's, that's where we start pivoting towards. Way to make some lemonade out of some lemons. Yeah, it's, it's a strange, um, again, it's a strange, but I've always been a, you know, silver lining person and optimist when it comes to any, almost mm -hmm. an annoying sense, like most people don't particularly enjoy that about me when they're just wanting to like sit in their misery occasionally. Yeah, they're like so reality. To, exactly. So I try to let people vent, you know, that especially now, but um, I do like to look at it as, you know what, things are bad. What can I do to make it better? At least within my team, the people that work with us, our homeowners, you know, if we can find a win-win situation, that's yeah. that's that's incredible. I'm, I mean, just to hear how many times you guys have pivoted um, comforts me because our business is a year old tomorrow. Ironically, oh April God. Fool's Day. We're like, this is a joke on us. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, already having to face a lot of challenges in just a single year and pivot multiple times, um, you know, it's comforting to know, wow, you can pivot 
it can come out better. You can uh, discover a product that was even um, more unique or better served your customers than you could have even realized. Um, how is like your team handling the day to day right now? Are you guys in Austin? You're working remote? Like what's yeah. What's so that like for you guys? We have about seven people, almost all of us are remote in Austin, one's in Dallas, and then we have a couple of um, outsourced people. So, and that's always been what we've had mm -hmm. from day one, right? And so when I said before, you know, a lot of things changed, meaning the spike in users, but a lot of things stayed the same too, meaning we've always been a little broke, um, <laughs> you know, really scrappy, and we've always been remote. Right. And so it's like nothing is really different for us is because, um, you know, after being in Austin for however long you start to build like certain reputation. And I don't know if it's a good or bad reputation, but I have the reputation of being able to do a ton with very little. Right. And so it's the, oh, OK, now everyone has to just operate where I'm operating versus I am having to go down and like figure out how to cut down my burn rate or cut out people. We've literally, um, so I have two full-time, I'm full-time and another person. And everyone else, we've always done it where, hey, um, what's your, your main paying job? You know, we'll talk with them, make sure that they can work with us. But we all work at night. So our dev calls, everything is at night. And it's always been that way. So whenever we needed to work a lot, we could pull people in. And then when we needed to slow down because we didn't have the budget, we could because we didn't have to worry about their mortgage, right? And so it's the same today than it, as it was, you know, two months ago or two yeah. months ago. I love the saying, um, luck is when preparation is uh, opportunity. And that kind of sounds like what's happening right now for you guys, that you've done the work to figure out exactly what kind of service you should be providing. And then this crazy crisis happens and people are looking for um, an answer and you can step in and have everything they need right now. And um, that must be kind of surreal to have at the same time. Yeah, it's um, strange for sure. Yeah. It, it, all of the aspects of my life are kind of coming together, whether, whether it's relevant or not. Like prior to home ads, I was a nonprofit and I worked in disaster recovery. So I understand what will happen um, throughout the process. And that's why we kind of went to quarantine homes too is I did, um, so I have a background in documentary or like uh, film and then pub or uh, sociology, right? And so they, working at a nonprofit, if you have a media background, um, nonprofits don't have the budget for it. So then they're like, hey, let's utilize you for outreach and also all of our media. So I did all <laughs> of the media. Um, so I did, you know, worked with BP oil spill. I worked with um, Hurricane Ike, um, all kinds of stuff, right? And so I understood the process and what happens with FEMA and then mm. how people need housing after that. So it helped us quickly transition where in the past when people would ask me, I, I was almost, you know, like four years ago, I was almost embarrassed that I had no tech background. And they'd be like, oh, what'd you do before? You know, you, you know you're not a serial entrepreneur. I was like, oh, I worked at a nonprofit and <laughs> And now that's coming together. And you're like, oh, actually, I know exactly what to do because I worked in this. I can relate to that. Um, I'm an actor and awesome. zero technology in my life other than <laughs> yeah. my cell phone. Um, and I think it's something that, yeah, we're finding to be our advantage because um, I have a huge empathetic heart and ability to 
really see people. Um, and I think that's playing out um, to be a positive thing for us because we can, you know, what we're trying to do is meet businesses where they're at right now and say, hey, we know you're pivoting. We know you're probably having to introduce new products and budgets are tight. And so how can, you know, we help you tell the story, get it out to your audience um, and just really be an accessible um, piece for you instead of hey we're a big production company that's really expensive and it takes all this money to produce a single video um yeah i i can relate to that feeling of being like yeah i don't have any tech background but i think i bring a lot to the table otherwise yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. which helps and me as a ceo i think how does it feel for you um as the ceo of this business i feel that your background kind of puts you in a prime position to be a really um, empathetic leader. It, it's interesting is because most people emphasize tech and then if you're, you know, um, having a data company, you should have a data co-founder. So I actually do have a tech co-founder and a data yeah. co right? Um, and that's always been one of my superpowers, I feel is, and it took me a while to realize that this is what mm. I'm really good at, is finding the right people and putting kind of like putting the puzzle together of, hey, here, you're really strong here, but I know that you're not so strong here. Instead of just pushing um, to get better at what you're weak at, let's find someone to fit you here and then keep on going with it. And so mm -hmm. it's always been, um, I would ask anyone that wants to join our team is what's your five-year personal and career goal, right? And I say this all the time because it's whenever I go on panels or anything, because I think it's the best way to work with someone. Because if someone tells me, hey, I want to be financially independent by 30 and you're 29, like, uh, I can't help you there. Um, but, exactly. <laughs> but if you say, hey, I want to have enough tech experience and be a CTO one day, oh, I, I can I can guarantee you Home Ads will give you all the experience you need and you can work on really awesome stuff, right? And so if they, let's say they stay with us for three years and decide to split ways, they're closer to their goal regardless of where home ads goes, right? Versus I don't want them saying, oh, you know, I, this is my life goal and home ads and before home ads and after home ads, you're here, right? And so I think it motivates people as how, especially as an early startup, if you don't have the, you know, benefits and paycheck that other large companies can give them, what benefit can you give them? And it's, it's oftentimes it's the experience or it's the, hey, I always wanted to start something or own something, you know, you have to motivate them in different and creative ways. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I feel like that's kind of what's been the most challenging for us during this past month is having to figure out how do we keep this brilliant team that we've assembled together and still excited to move forward when we can't send you home on pay for two weeks to work from your house. Like what else can we do to still be valuable for you? Um, I'm really grateful that everyone's been extremely supportive, very understanding, very patient. Um, but you know, there's only so much you can see like, okay, well, we'll offer you shares. It's like, yeah. no, we're offering you this opportunity to rise to the occasion in a time of crisis and get creative and help us find a solution. Um, and that's like, that's so valuable. I, I, I like that perspective a lot. Um, where are you guys at in Capital Factory? You're in the accelerator, you're through it, you're done. So we joined March of 2019. Oh, okay. um, and yeah, so we went through it, but obviously with them, it's like a lifetime membership kind of yep. thing, right? Like, um, I still, I mean, I recently talked to Gordon. He, ha he always gives me great advice. He's 
probably one of the most empathetic people that I know when it comes to mentors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then also everyone there. Um, any, oftentimes I don't even know what their position is or what they should be doing. It's, it's the, um, I got early advice of um, find, find the people who will champion you, right? Because there will be those. And oftentimes, and I think this leans into fundraising and everything else as well, is like we like to believe that we're very rational people. But so much of it is gut and so much of it is likability, um, which is kind of an interesting that I, I've been doing a ton of reading since going to San Francisco because you're commuting, all that stuff. So mm-hmm. I, I do um, uh, audiobooks a lot mm-hmm. and learning and I plowed through all the negotiation books, of course. Right. Um, and the part that was really interesting about it is it's again, it's not a rational decision. Most times with negotiation and everyone negotiates, even if it's just like, oh, I, you know, I want to work from home or I, I you know, mm-hmm. I want this team member on my team. Um, oftentimes it's just, do I like this person? And does my gut make me trust them? And that I think I've learned has played against me a little because I'm the, oh, here's business and here's personal. They don't mix. Mm-hmm. That has always been me. Um, but I, I'm starting to realize that it's, um, one, I open up slowly. I've always been the, oh, I'm very professional. I'll get things done. I am the, you know, went from ESL to Victorian, very, very hardcore, you know, that type of person. But then to get to know me and understand, oh, my parents were refugees. I like help my mom, you know, market her business. And because she, she had to do that on her own. Like there's all these things that when I start talking to um, investors that I let my guard down, those were the aspects and stories that they remembered that they liked about me. But I never pushed those stories because I was always like, this is home ads. This is what we do. This is our, you know, what our sales mix is. And this is how we make money and all this stuff, right? And so they didn't get to know me. And if you work with angel investors particularly, it's not really about like, when you'll be profitable yeah they care about that but it's about you exactly and if you can't show that vulnerability which that's something that's difficult for me to do um without spending time you know it's it's a difficult um process to fundraise but i find that different markets are also very different um i do enjoy san francisco because often um they we're also a b2c company right so it's not as common here in texas um, so they understand it a lot more in San Francisco, but they're also, um, what someone told me was people aren't mean to you because, uh, they don't know who's going to be the next big thing. They've seen so many big companies, like so many companies blow up so quickly overnight, right? Mm-hmm. Versus in Texas, we've been pretty stable about our companies. They're, they're your traditional had money, um, took like, you know, they they, it, it's Boy, not really... Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that's probably the hardest thing to do in raising though, because you do really feel the pressure. I don't know, especially walking into their space as a woman, I want to prove myself that I have the acumen to navigate this investing conversation and negotiate. Um, And then, yeah, you reveal something true about yourself. And then that's kind of what sticks. That's the same in the auditioning room too. Um, I get no's quite a bit. And it's those moments where I actually reveal myself instead of trying to be something they want to see that I actually get remembered and called back in for a a role or something. 
um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's difficult. And how do you, how do you, have you found getting into the room, getting into the space um, as a woman in, uh, would this be considered the real estate industry or where do you guys feel like you fall? Um, yeah, we, we look at it in two different ways. You can look at it as like data, right? Um, mm -hmm. In the sense of essentially our bigger vision is the mindset of new home buyers and new renters spend a ton of money within mm -hmm. the first year. But to actually do early targeted marketing or any type of quality data collection is really difficult to do. So if mm -hmm. you move, you do the change of address with USPS, right? And then you get that packet of coupons because they sold your data to large retailers. And so that's kind of the mindset that we have is like, hey, instead of right after you move in where you've already renovated, bought everything, we want to target you even earlier. So you're relocating. We're telling you the best neighborhood. So not only can we target new home buyers and new renters, but we can target you at a neighborhood level. That's, that's pretty awesome, right? So we, our bigger vision is much more data. Our business okay. model, though, operates with real estate. Yeah, cool. Um, what has investing been like so far um, as a woman, as you said, you're the daughter of some refugee, uh, refugees, where's your family from? They're from Vietnam. So 75, Fall of Saigon, um, very, very interesting in the sense of it gave me, again, silver lining person, right? Like um, it gave me a lot of perspective of what's hard. Like, yeah, I, I we're again, we're pretty broke. We're getting much closer to profitability now. Um, and we had to struggle for a lot of things, but I mean, I talked to my mom yesterday and I was, I was a little frustrated about being a woman, honestly. And it was interesting to talk to her because she was like, you know, you, you would be twice as far, you know, if you're a man. Uh, and that was her perspective. She started her own. So she is the, uh, I think, voted one of the top seamstress in North uh, Texas. Uh, she taught herself how to sew. She didn't know how to sew. So she just did that and, and just started her own store there and then got very well known for it. Wow. But she is, I mean, she's a straight up hustler. Even now she's retired and she doesn't want to retire. So <laughs> she grew and she got into gardening and she started growing, um, um, it's called water spinach. It's a, a common uh, greens that Vietnamese people eat. And she'll just go and like pack it up and start selling to all of the nail salon people. And I'm like, dude, mom, you're so hard. So I was like, well, now I know where my entrepreneurial spirit comes from. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I can understand how that probably completely changed everything about your worth ethic, your value system. Um, I feel that you probably want to make your parents feel proud and, you know, create that legacy just as your, your mom sounds like she has made for herself. Um, yeah, I, I can understand the frustrating part of being a woman um, when at the same time you're like, but we go through so much. <laughs> like we're so um, physically stronger, I think, um, in, in many different ways, maybe even intellectually. Um, as well. Uh, what's fundraising been like for you as a woman? You know, I, I jokingly say it's, and everyone parallels it to dating in some sense, right? Mm -hmm. um, because it's just dynamic and likability again, yep. right? Is it doesn't matter what your, what your revenue or anything looks like if you're not likable to them. And I think that moment in dating too is realizing that likability is, is just dependent on your market. So, 
just because someone doesn't like you, it may just be because I, so I jokingly say you can't see me in like this video, but I'm five foot eight and I am extremely tall Vietnamese women. Um, I studied abroad in Vietnam for four months and I was a foot taller than everyone. Right. It's and unusual. It is extremely unusual. I have, my dad is tall. Right. Um, so I think I just got that and nutrition probably is mm -hmm. like the two reasoning, <laughs> but um, I always say if I were to date in Vietnam, I wouldn't do so hot, right? Like no one would like me there, but I do amazing here because it's, you know, height wise and like sure. I'm an extra, extra large in Vietnam, right? But here I'm a small. So then it's like, oh, okay, well, you kind of like fit the average <laughs> dateable women, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I look at it the same way when it comes to home ads and fundraising and I was so frustrated because and I never left Texas because I thought I could just raise angel money here it's fine mm. you know it's not that much money I can raise it here but why fight so hard and I should have left earlier um I left only for three weeks and it was the best three weeks because it was it was as if you're similar to dating where it'd be like I came here and people really like me and this is very strange. And it's just because they're used to it, right? They're used to B2C companies. They're used to, um, you know, renting or hospitality type things. They understand those concepts because Airbnb was born and bred out of there, right? Right. You know that versus here, you know, we have HomeAway, but HomeAway was started extremely different than mm -hmm. how it was started with Airbnb too. So again, you know, we just match the persona and, and profile of the companies that they're used to. And so I wish I had gone earlier, but I'm glad I at least did do that before um, COVID happened because we now at least have those connections and are working as fast as we can through that. Um, and then just also identifying what works, then you can hone in and lean in more on that too. Yeah, I, I like that idea. I think us getting creative. We were about to start heading up into the Northeast where our ties are from. And so since we're more media um, advertising and content, it's been hard for us to find um, our footing here in terms of investment. Um, I think we get a lot of, oh, wow, how's that scalable? We're like, well, yeah, give us the opportunity to show you. Um, and that, yeah, we're kind of a bit of, um, out of place here a little bit when it comes to ironically um it's the oil and gas companies that have been able to understand our oh, business model because we we're a technology enabled service um not two-sided marketplace as well and so they they understand what the contractor kind of ex uh, relationship is like mm -hmm. um but other than that we yeah we were planning to head up into boston um April 9th actually, but that's kind of come to a halt. So we're looking how do we digital um, with all those meetings. But I mean, I, I definitely um, appreciate your optimism and your silver lining because I think it's that mindset that is going to pull companies through this. It's the only way. I mean, you can't feel negative about the current circumstances because it's temporary and you know, it's just like, yeah. if there's a little, there's a way. Yeah, I, like, I allow myself to um, feel the emotions, right? Like, that was, that was one of the biggest things. Um, I got a divorce, like, a month after I started home ads, and it was one of the best advice I got was, um, you're going to feel angry, you're going to feel sad, feel it, and then let it go, right? 
And that was always really helpful. And so it's the, and I say that all the time, even with my team members who, you know, one of them, he, he was a home ads evangelist. He was a user, then started loving us so much, then joined <laughs> our team. And so and awesome. he's a badass, right? Um, but he would get frustrated and say, like, I used to get angry about what the world, um, what it is and wish it were a certain way, but it's more about accepting it. And then what I always say is know the rules, play the game, win, and then change the rules, right? Because it's like, I can be angry all I want that women are whatever, you know, positioned in certain ways, but just know how it works and then play it be really good at it and then go change it for the next one. That's powerful. I'm writing that down. I like that. Um, amazing. Well, I'm just so grateful for you taking some time out of your day to sit down with me and be really candid about what it feels like to push your company through a pandemic. Um, I'm so glad that things are going well for you guys, and I hope that they continue that way and that uh, this is the opportunity for home ads to kind of get a little alley-oop um, into becoming a huge player so that's awesome um okay well now's about the time where we do a little statement sip um i don't know if you have something in your head but i did pull a couple golden nuggets of wisdom um do you have something specific you'd like to share with us or you know, do you want me to tell you what i pulled I always enjoy like panels and podcasts because it's just like be yourself whenever it's a, hey, let's uh, a state, because I, I also come from documentary, right? So it's like, oh, yeah. just do whatever. Don't, I, I've done like commercials and stuff. So I've had to direct people, but never on their side of it. And so the whole time, ever since you told me, I've just kind of been anxious <laughs> of like, what am I supposed to say? Wait, wait. I'm, I'm curious too, before we do that, what was your role in filmmaking, media and documentaries? Um, so I had always, I actually love post-production. And so I started okay. out that way, but in Texas, there was very few positions where you're only an editor. So, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I did Walmart commercials where I was the director, cinematographer and editor. So, oh, and then yeah. everyone else like sound people and you know, all the, the other people were there, but that was the largest all encompassing role that I've had. That's so awesome. Do you miss it, uh, that world at all? I miss services, businesses in general, because it's simple. It's, here, I'll sell you a service. You yeah. pay me, I'll do that service. Versus Home Ads is a B2C company where it's all about conversions and like getting users to your site and all that stuff. It's fun, but uh, you know, it's not as direct as, hey, this action will make me money. <laughs> yep. Um, okay, so final question um, too, before the statement ends. Um, it, it's creativity. Uh, obviously, you're creative every single day working on your business, um, but do you still keep that creative outlet alive in any other way? Do you edit? Like, you know, I miss it. Obviously, the video that you had referenced, that was all just me. <laughs> oh, nice. So, that's you know, awesome. Have, yeah. So, Great I have to have. it. But I don't, I don't do it as much anymore. Mm -hmm. I think it's transitioned. I've really enjoyed, um, it's gone more towards the sociology side of myself, of understanding um, people. I, I really enjoy, oddly, um, interactions with people and then body language and understanding how you represent yourself. It's, it, it's a new part of me. So it's maybe that side of creativity, but it's more of the analysis side and kind of doing more social experiments. There's, 
that's a whole nother story too when it comes to social experiments but yeah cool uh, yeah but not so much in your traditional creative way anymore yeah well I'll, I'll look out for your next movie just in case <laughs> Um, awesome. Okay, so did you want me to tell you what to say, or did you want to say let's, your own? Let's, let's have you do it because that, it'll take my anxiety. <laughs> okay. Um, so I pulled three, but I think the last one that you said is like, ooh, that's so nice. Know the rules, play the game, then change the rules. Cool. Are you cool with that? Yeah. Okay. So I don't know if you have a beverage, but I I have my tea here. Okay. So. Oh my god, that's brilliant. Oh, I'm so bummed our videographer isn't here to see that. He's such a gearhead. He'd love that. That's cool. Give us that statement tip. All right. Know the rules, play the game, and then change the rules. That's the thing. Cheers. Cheers. Well, thank you so much. That's another episode of Tea with Abby, everyone coronavirus edition coming to you live from our houses. We hope you're safe and healthy and we'll see you next time. Thanks so much for watching Tea with Abby. Be sure to click subscribe and smack that like button so you can stay tuned. <laughs> smack that like button. See that like button? Smack it. Thanks so much for watching an episode of Tea with Abby. Be sure to click subscribe and smack that like button. So you can stay tuned with new episodes all year long. And if you want to learn more about Blended Sense, visit us at our website, www.blendedsense.com, or follow us on social at Blended Sense or at BlendedSense.io. See you next week.